The scripture today is Matthew eleven twenty through 30 in the English Standard Version. Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. <clears throat> At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who, are labor, labor, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The word of the Lord. So this is going to be a little bit of an unusual message this morning because it has two distinct parts, but that's okay. It's 2017, so we'll just take the change as it comes. The first, as I had alluded to before, I want to peel back the curtain because uh, the conversations with Cecilia began about two years ago when she began to ask me questions. And, you know, it was one of those, you get a text or an email on like, What's the meaning of life? You know, and sort of or something, something along those lines. I, I, um, we had boy a lot of different exchanges, didn't we, over the last, uh, especially the last eighteen months or so. And I finally put Tori in charge and said, "You answer these questions." <laughs> and so Tori mentored her and and talked to her and and others, and we met and we went through. But she asked such great questions, and they're questions that many people ask either on their journey to faith or even sometimes while you're on the road and you've come to faith, but you're still, we're, we're, we're never finished works, are we? We're always in progress. And so um, I'm, I'm going to just focus on two of the, of the many questions that we talked about. And um, a little bit, I'm going to read her questions with her, she, she knows it's coming, so a little bit of her permission. And a little bit of the answers because I, I think it's both instructive and also it plays a bit into part two of what's, uh, what the message is this morning. So this is, this is one question. This was quite some time ago. I've, Cecilia wrote, I've thought a lot about Jesus being raised from the dead. I find it hard to believe intellectually, but I know it must be true because evidence of it is all around and because I can see God at work in my life all the time now. Is it possible to be a Christian and still sometimes fight doubt in your mind while you believe in your heart. Is believing just putting aside the doubts in my mind and replacing it with understanding help? <laughs> All right, you guys take that one, right? It's a great question, isn't it? An honest question. 
I think most of us struggle at times to find this balance and to find sometimes our minds say, gosh, you know, I, I don't see dead people coming back to life a lot. It's not like I have all this, you know, things that I'm re- replicating. So my answer was this. Yes, 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 I believe you can be a Christian. Commit your life to God, even if you sometimes still struggle with doubt. I've grown to believe this improbable resurrection event actually happened. For the same reasons you describe, seeing evidence of the unseen God working in my life, but I certainly started 40 years ago with more doubts than I have now. Up to the point in my life when I became a Christian, I'd essentially decided the resurrection couldn't possibly be true. But I began to find my confidence even in that proposition was getting shaky because I sensed the divine power at work in my life. And so one day, as all of us must, I chose to believe and leapt by faith into Jesus' care. And I've been on a journey ever since. Every doubt and question didn't disappear on day one, but as I've grown in a relationship with Jesus over the years, my confidence has grown and grown. There was an ancient Christian named St. Anselm who lived in the 11th century, and he wrote this, I don't seek to understand in order to believe but I believe in order that I may understand. I do believe this, that unless I first believed, I'll never understand. Faith precedes understanding. So for those of you who struggle with doubt, welcome to the club. Okay, But you'll never have all your questions answered on this side of faith. That's just not the way it works. At some point, you have to take a leap of faith. And while every question won't be answered then, I can tell you that, for me at least, Jesus has made himself more real and more plain, even as some of my questions are still remaining. I take great comfort from the Father in Mark 9, who after confronted with Jesus' claim to heal, he said, Lord, I believe in you. Help my unbelief. And sometimes I think we all find ourselves this way. But the words from Romans 10 stand firm. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I stand on that. Here's the second question, not the only question, but the other one that I thought was really um, something that a lot of people struggle with. Uh, I know God tells us from Cecilia, I know God tells us not to worry, but I really get worried about doing the right thing. For instance, recently I've been thinking a lot about food in the context of God, and I'm trying to eat healthier and honor Him with my food choices. But it seems some of my family and friends think I'm going a little overboard and worrying too much about being a good eater for God. However, I'm scared to relax my eating habits for fear that I will start to eat sweets and junk nonstop. I don't want to be obsessed with calorie counting. I don't want to be obsessed with junk either. I want to be obsessed with God. But I find it hard to make choices, even as trivial as this, because I'm scared I could make the wrong choice in my eating habits and dishonor God. It seems like maybe I've gotten too hyper about setting limits for myself. So here's my question. Is it possible to get too involved in trying to do the right thing? Boy, would we all ask that question, right? I wish I wish I had that maturity. This was she was 17 at the time. I, I wish I had that. Well done. My answer was this. I often try to put questions like this, Cecilia, in the context of a relationship that I can more easily understand as a human. For me, I think of my marriage. I want to be the best husband, 
And would my marriage to Nancy be better or worse if I was stressed out and trying to be the best husband I could be? Maybe I'm trying to keep myself in great shape to be attractive or planning wonderful date nights or getting her thoughtful gifts or doing household chores so she doesn't have to. And all these are good things, right? But if the end result is that I'm too stressed to spend time with her, then the good things have become an obstacle to the best thing, which is a loving relationship. So when actions, even good actions, take the focus, I think it's a problem. In addition, if I feel that Nancy won't like me as much, and I'll be disappointing and unacceptable to her, if I don't do these things, then I must try very, very hard to be attractive and accepted. And now the good things have become the bad things because I must do them in order to please. But what if I know that Nancy would love me just the same if I wasn't the buff guy I am? (laughs) What? (laughs) And I didn't do all these right things. What if I really believed her love for me was unconditional? The freedom in that is that if I have a bad day or a bad week or a bad month and I eat junk, I don't have to live in fear of being rejected. Because of that freedom, now I can choose to get in shape or do the chores, not to be accepted, but as the fruit of my freedom. I get to do these things she would like in order to bless her, not to be loved by her. All it comes, all of this comes back to this. You are loved by God whether you eat healthy or whether you eat junk. Choosing to eat healthy is wise and your body will function better, but you aren't more pleasing to God for having done so or less pleasing to God for having not done so because His love and acceptance of you is based on your, not on your behavior, but on His character. Like a good parent, He'll urge you toward the right things, but love you when you're doing the wrong things. Never, never, Make his love contingent on what you do. So, these were many, many questions, and I, I just thought those two in particular are things that I, I know come up in my life and maybe in yours, but um, that we all would think so deeply about that and make a commitment that I know will last your whole life. That leads me to part two. And this is, I always ask the Lord at the beginning of the year, if he has a theme or a word for me in particular for the year, and sometimes I share with the body because I feel like sometimes I think it's more than just for me. And this year, I do feel like one piece of what I wrote down that I feel like God was saying to me might be for others. And so, um, and this kind of plays into the second theme that I wrote to Cecilia. So, we read the scripture this morning from Matthew 11. I'll invite you to open to that if you have your Bibles or have on your device a Bible, uh, Matthew 11, um, particularly focused on verse 28, but we really began at verse 20. The context of the passage that um, Dana read was Jesus, um, after having spoken about John the Baptist and about how people criticized Jesus' ministry because he ate and drank, criticized John the Baptist's ministry because he didn't eat and drink and he was more of the kind of guy who fasted and and did without. Both were criticized and Jesus said, look, you're, you're missing the point here, is that he was doing the works of God, bringing the kingdom of God in these various cities, especially toward his hometown, and they were rejecting him. And he said, once you've rejected the, me and the works that evidence me, 
So there's, there's nothing left. There's, you've rejected what God has brought. And these are the woes that we talked about on these unrepentant cities. And then Jesus stops and he gives thanks for his disciples, these simple fishermen and people who were not wise in the world's eyes. And he, he says, Lord, I thank you that you've hidden the things from the wise and understanding and you've revealed them to little children, Father, for such was your gracious will. The word that the Holy Spirit particularly spoke to me, I felt this this year as I was praying, was beginning at verse 28. These words may be familiar to some, but I want you to listen with fresh ears for 2017. Hear the word of the Lord. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Later in 2017, Nancy and I will be taking a sabbatical for a few weeks and You'll hear more about that and sort of how church life will function. It'll be fine. But I, I sort of a little bit nervous about taking a sabbatical. You may think, wow, that would be just great to, um, you know, take some time off from the, the regular. But I derive a lot of my meaning from the ministry that happens here and what God is doing here. And one of the challenges that I believe I'm going to face is that if I, if I, take time off is where am I going to derive my meaning from, my significance from, and finding that rest and refreshment in God alone I think is going to be a challenge just the way I'm wired. For some of you, probably not, but for me it would be, and it probably will be. And so this drove, I think, this word. The yoke that is spoken of in this passage, many of you probably know, is the yoke of oxen that sits on the back of oxen. And two oxen typically are in a yoke together, and they pull a cart or bear a load from that. And Jesus, uh, in his time, is dealing with people who are putting a yoke on others. And they were, in his day, was the Pharisees. Uh, the yoke that they put on is referred to in Scripture it's, it's typically obedience to their interpretation of the law. There's a verse in Acts 15 that refers to it, among many others, that says, uh, why are you putting God to the test? By placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. The yoke also in the Bible refers to just general oppression by foreign powers, people that weren't God's people, just defeating them and in Leviticus 26.13 and other places, it talks about how the yoke of oppression of just life just bear, bore down on people. I don't know about you, but life can be really heavy sometimes. And there's a heaviness that comes in so many ways. There's relationships. There's uh, physical bodies. There's physical challenges. There's just life itself can weigh us down. The... Uh, This first word that he speaks of, I want to unpack a little bit. Verse 28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Those two words there, labor and heavy laden, the first word labor is an active verb, and it means to toil really hard and get really, really tired. I know you guys, some of you have long commutes, some of you work hard in school. We do, we have school and work, we've got 
kids needing our attention, we've got lives that are broken and just exhaust us. Reminds me there's a, there's a thing from Charlie Brown where this is, this is the labor, the picture is Charlie Brown getting in bed and saying, I'm already tired tomorrow. Sometimes you know you're going to bed and you're not going to even wake up feeling refreshed because it's just laborious. Life is like that sometimes. The second word talks about is that all you who labor and are heavy laden, that's a passive verb, and it means to be overpacked, to be weighted down with things you weren't meant to carry. God didn't design us to carry. And that reminds me of this picture of this poor Sherpa guy who's walking through the mountains and he has to pick up other um, other people's loads. And so here's this picture, I think. Alex, do you have that? Loading or no? No. No. Well, it's a picture of a guy with a lot of stuff on his back. I don't know why it's not loading, but um, so if if that picture, if you identify and you register with that, then this word that God gave for for me, and it may not be for everybody, but it may be for you. So here's a bit of the word that I believe God gave to me. Come to me and I'll do this. It'll be a little bit in first person, a little bit in third person, so it might sound a little funny, but just take it for what it is. Hopefully the Spirit will speak. Come to me, you who are overscheduled, exhausted, overwhelmed, burned out, troubled, depressed. Don't come to my principles. Don't come first to my law. Don't come first to other people until you have first come to me. My word says this, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, because it is I who will give you rest, not them. My yoke is not oppressive, it is not burdensome, but you do not get unyoked. You simply replace the yoke of bondage with a light yoke. The law will kill you, but my law will give you life. Then I journaled this, and if you can identify with this, I said, Lord, I feel an oppressive yoke on me when, one, I spend too much of my life watching, reading, thinking about things that this world fights over. Lord, I, I feel a yoke when I procrastinate and ignore the issues that I know need to be dealt with. Lord, I feel a yoke when I give undue time and attention to the things by simply mulling over them when I can do nothing to change or to help. So here's the verse I'm taking for this year to meditate on. It's pretty easy to memorize because it's so short. It's Psalm 55:22. I don't know if you can bring that up, Alex, or not, but it's Psalm 55:22. Cast your burden on the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. That's Psalm 55:22. Finally, Lord, I feel yoke, a yoke, an oppressive yoke, when I expect other people, including Nancy, to fill holes in my life that only You can fill for only you are a very present help in trouble. So God gave me one word out of this, and it was simplify. 
So here's what I journaled on that. I'm going to shed the distractions. I'm going to shed the dead weight. I'm going to shed my time wasters. Lord, help me simplify, not simply on the outside, but on the inside. So, and I won't tell you this because it's personal, but I made some decisions to drop some things that are cluttering my interior life, and I made a couple decisions to add some things to simplify my exterior life. And you may think that's unusual, but sometimes you can add things that will simplify your life outside. And this wasn't particularly for me, but I did feel like maybe it was for someone here. Dealing with issues, and I wrote down a lot of my issues, which I won't bore you with. But here's here's one I, I did write down. And I, I maybe it's up for somebody here. Write the letter, make the phone call, seek or grant the forgiveness that will simplify your life because you are being burdened by a weight of unforgiveness. I mean, that's a very general word, but if, if that, like an arrow, stings in your heart, then take it for what it is. This is a little bit of a scattered message this morning, but I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak something to you out of this. Um, I think it's good, it's a tremendous blessing as we begin the new year to think about someone who's made a commitment to Christ and, and thought long, deep, and hard about what that means. Um, I would encourage you to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you have for me this year? Where do you want me to grow? How do you want me to change? If any of those words will help you, fine, but I would just simply ask God, Lord. And if you're, if you haven't yet formed a relationship with God, that kind of, you know, Cecilia talked about being a rule follower, being someone a good person. It's just, let's just say once again, it's great to be a good person, but it's not being a Christian. Being a Christian is knowing you're a bad person, you're a dead person, and you need the grace of Christ in your life. And so if that has never happened to you, I would invite you to simply agree with God about your need for Him. That's as easy as it gets to do. And call upon Him. Believe in your heart Christ raised, Christ was raised from the dead and experienced God's new health and life in 2017. Would you pray with me, please? I'm going to give a minute or two of silence just for you to have some time to meditate, reflect, and if you need to talk to God, if you hear Him speaking to you, I ask you to just respond to Him. Lord, we mark calendars, days, weeks, months, years, and mark the passing of time, but you are the ancient of days.
outstanding outside of time and waiting. Ever present, Lord, but willing to fill and to respond to us as we respond to you. So Lord, for those who have ears to hear, I pray that this year would be marked by walking with you, by being filled by your Holy Spirit, by growing. Lord, even if our doubts don't 100% go away, even if we still have questions that remain unanswered, we ask that we wouldn't replace anything but you being at the center, that we would come to you instead of toiling and instead of being oppressed by burdens, that we would come to you. Thank you that your yoke is easy, your burden is light. And Lord, we pray that you would give us the promised rest for our souls. It's in your name we pray. Amen.